Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is tickety-boo. Hello everyone, it is shorts weather. Embrace it while we can. Never mind shorts weather, I'm actually in my pyjamas because it's it's been lovely and warm all day and I cannot be asked to like put proper clothes on. I thought you were too nice. You're like cosplaying as some kind of like, tramp like, character. Why is it, oh, I mean, why is yeah, it this is... Just I cut it off and I've gone like Bray White style with the way I've just cut my uh, sleeves and done the scoop neck on it. When you're as swole as Gillard, you need, <laughs> That's it, yeah. you need to make alterations. <laughs> oh, I've been meaning to ask you, Stu, on Zencaster, so a peek behind the scenes to everyone, you pick your own name and you've always gone with like Vin or something ridiculous. Why have you gone for Stu Knight? I don't, I don't know. Is that st- oh, it was when we were talking about Moon Knight, were we? And the, you were slagging it off. Oh, is oh, that why? Right, put, okay. It, I just I haven't changed it back. Because so. it was up last week and I, I, I noticed it and I was a bit confused. But yeah, okay. That's it, it's enough. not no tribute to Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's a bit of a deep cut, to be fair, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you started your rewatch of Jurassic Park this week. Yeah, that's why I remember. That's why he's not, Wayne Knight's name is not just in my head at all times. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it on um, I watched it on Thursday, and yeah, the, because of the three D treatments on it. I mean, that's the only. I think is it the only one that's in three D. It's the first, the only one of the original three that's in three D. Anyway, um, mm. it looks the same as it looks like it could have been released this week. Oh it's, well, okay. It's nearly thirty years old. Ridiculous, really. Mm. Um, but it was weird watching it again. I mean, I've I ain't seen it for what three or four years, and but this time around, it was like, well, the big set pieces are not actually that big. Okay, it's it's really well done. How they, I think that's probably why it doesn't seem that to of age that much because mm. there's hardly well hardly any. There's quite a lot of CG for the time. But not for today's standards. It's quite a lot of puppetry, and the scenes where you think are big, they're actually quite small set pieces with stuff in the background. So it's it's really really clever, and it, it really stands it stands the test of time amazingly. So yeah, go and watch it again. You need to. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's a a 1080p out there somewhere worth uh, worth my time. Matt, you've had a week of a gig, I believe. Reef at the <laughs> Birmingham Institute, was it? Correct. Yep. Uh, my first gig in a couple of months. Um, a much older crowd. Um, I must say, uh, the band A, who did a song called "Nothing," you'd probably remember it if you heard yep. it. Um, they did an age-appropriate circle pit, which was hilarious. They were like, "Just can you like make a circle pit, but just walk?" So people were just walking <laughs> in a circle, like re- a really slow pace. It was quite the visual. Uh, but they were really good. And then Reef, they were really good as well. Um, just nice to be in and around live music again, to be fair. 
um, mm. went to um, went to Turtle Bay for a little bit of food before and as well. It was quite a nice evening. Sounds like a good evening. I've got Mr. Alan Partridge coming up uh, later this week, uh, Thursday night. Oh, so yeah, nice. my first. Yeah, I haven't done... I mean, obviously, I went to see Billy Joel in New York, but I haven't been to something in this country for what feels like forever. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing a show getting out there again. Anyway, I suppose we'd better talk about The Trust. I had to <laughs> check my notes because it's, yeah, a film, right? I don't know, have either of you two actually seen the trailer on this? Because it certainly sells a odd couple buddy cop movie, mm. which is kind of funny and a bit rough. Um, a bit like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is what I went into expecting this film. Um, what did you guys think of the trailer, if you've seen it? Exactly that. Like, I thought we were in for uh, like a comedic romp, really, that, you know, verges on black comedy, maybe. Mm. Um, but we sort of got that at first, but we didn't get it by the end. Yeah, Stu, I assume you went in completely dark. Yeah, and then I'll, I have watched it since, but you know what? It the trailer makes it out like it could be something like <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah, I see the um, the similarities they're going with. Um, so this is written and directed by Alex and Benjamin Brewer. Never heard of them. IMDb tells me there's a good reason for that. They're a pair of music video directors. They've worked with Alt-J, Dum Dum Girls, Capital Cities, Skrillex and the Chainsmokers. I, I don't know who any of those people are, if I'm being brutally honest. I know who Skrillex is. I know Skrillex and Alt. I think Alt-J was on a FIFA. I think. Okay, right. Okay. Uh, looking at the cast list, there's a couple of names that I recognised before we get to the big one, obviously. Sky Ferreira, she was um, Baby Driver's mum in Baby Driver. Um, Ethan Suppley, who you probably know from More Rats, Kevin Smith, or um, My Name is Earl, he was the brother. And if you're a fan of the X-Files, you had X himself, Stephen Williams. I was low-key impressed with the supporting cast going in. Didn't really see a lot of them on the flip side of it, so I mm-hmm. feel like... We- We've been sold something we weren't given. Uh, the only other person to mention really is Master Frodo himself, Elijah Wood. Much like Daniel Radcliffe, I, I like the fact that Elijah Wood went and he's made his nut early doors and he's just gone out to do films that seem to interest him. Whether they end up being good or bad, it's sort of irrelevant. They're just films that you can see that he's seen something in them. I, I appreciate that, that he does these huge comic book movies in, in one time, and then the next time he'll do something silly and fun like Dirk Gently. Stu, I'm assuming, obviously, you're a Lord of the Rings fan, so talk yeah. to me about Elijah Wood. Yeah, and, and obviously, from that we'll get to at some point on our alternative podcast, um, the Wolves fancast, Green Street. I mean, that's so that's so odd and almost a complete opposite of the Lord of the Rings films <laughs> as you could possibly get. And he has, I mean, that's probably the right comparison to make, the Daniel Radcliffe thing, because he is a bit, he doesn't seem to be bothered about it all, like the whole fame thing. He just does what he wants, and mm. that's probably the best way to be, really. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, have you got any strong opinions either way on Elijah? Um, not, not really. I do after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, not, not, not particularly. I mean... Uh, as an you know, as an an artist or an actor who 
is so typecast for a particular role. Sometimes you've got to jump out of the your comfort zone to just to, to shed any kind of skin from that piece. So I respect him doing something as inane as Green Street or, or or something like this. To be fair, because you know he's never ever going to be poor for the rest of his days <laughs> from royalties, licensing, anything like that. So to, to branch out and do something different or just chase something that you like artistically. You know, I respect the you know talent that do that. Yeah, absolutely. So well, IMDb, just, sorry, Stu, carry on. I was going to say, also though, he does look a bit like Weasel on the poster for this. Weasel. Weasel from the Suicide Squad. Oh fuck! Yeah, he does, doesn't he? There's something wrong with his face. And I was just looking at it, and I thought, why does he look like that? Yeah, it's got proper like rat features in this almost, doesn't it? I don't know if it's because <laughs> they've definitely done something to his yeah. face on that poster. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, IMDb describes this film as a pair of cops investigating a drug invasion stumble upon a mysterious bank vault. That doesn't seem like a fair or accurate description of this movie <laughs> in the slightest. <laughs> So this film opens with Elijah Woods getting ridden by a sex worker, looking bored and unexcited, before seeing him get suited up and heading out to work for the evidence management unit of the Las Vegas PD. Wood is stumbling into the crime scene. Cage then arrives, getting told by his bosses that his plans to revolutionise the evidence management are too expensive. Immediately they set up that both of these characters as being less than in love with their life currently. They're not excited by work and they're not even excited by life. One evening, Jim Stone, that's Nicholas, he discovers a low-level de- a low-level drug dealer was bailed to the tune of 200,000 k paid in cash, meaning that this guy has access to large sums of money. Jim shares this idea with his colleague David Waters, which is Elijah Wood. Initially against the idea, Waters is then decides that he will stake out the crook, but only because he truly has nothing better to do with his life (laughs) and he despises his job. Following the almost certainly illegal surveillance of this drug dealer, Stone and Waters discover that the gang's merchandise gets moved into a building but never leaves. Pulling up schematics for the building, they have a six-foot reinforced vault built to protect their investments. Stone and Waters decide they're going to break in and enter taking all of the money that's half an hour so basically that's the first act done in quite a succinct way i feel there i personally felt that it started all right like it's fairly quick moving but there's quite a few amusing moments straight off the back so for example when they're sat at the bar discussing it and elijah wood says i think that guy's getting a hand job he's eating so it's hard to tell like, I giggled at that. <laughs> Nick Cage, when he's got the sunblock on his nose, just looking ridiculous. When Elijah Wood had done the schematics laid out on the floor and one bit is all, all to cock, they said, oh, a bee came at me and I panicked. Some really funny little moments in the beginning of this, but it did feel a little bit too sombre for, I feel, what they were trying to, to show. Matt, what were your thoughts on the opening half hour? I was... Well, at this point, it was par for the course because of what I was expecting from a trailer point of view. But it 
I was in I was enjoying it, but I was enjoying it in a popcorn throwaway kind of way. There were some lines that that made me legitimately howl, like when they're looking at the schematics um, and they're going, okay, this is the dining room or something. I can't remember exactly what room. And then Nicolas Cage was like, let's go there. Let's check it out. And they just walk over to it, even though they're like, <laughs> like to like to be in the room. And it was just the, like, his delivery was hilarious. And mm. there were some, there were some funny moments to be fair. Um, so, I mean, I was enjoying it, but I wasn't taking it particularly seriously. I kind of had one eye, you know, one eye on my phone kind of thing. It wasn't gripping. Mm. It wasn't gripping. It was, it was funny, but it was it was popcorn disposable at this point in time. Yeah, Stu, what were your thoughts? I was confused <laughs> because <laughs> it was it didn't seem fun. It didn't seem like it was going to be funny, and it was so dire, dire, and it it portrays them as such losers that you kind of think, oh god. And then, then like 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 you said, the lines, and then I mean. The schematics on the... I didn't even know what that was. And apparently it's the rooftop of some kind. Mm. Um, why he'd done that anyway in the first place. Who knows? But... Like when they're the first... Like when they're in the bar. And it was like... Gig, I kind of giggled. And I, I, I don't know. I was like looking around. Like, should I be giggling at this? Is this supposed to be funny? Or is it supposed to be really sad? Mm. And I was... Maybe I was thinking too much into it at the time, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I actually really enjoyed it up until this point. I thought, oh, this is a lot better than the poster makes out um, mm. and the premise makes out. And I thought this is not where I thought it would be. But it, the the certain type of comedy just seemed to be a bit out of place. And I think mm. we're going to come on to it in a bit that it, it didn't carry on through that the film did it. That yeah, that, that's definitely my sticking point on it. I'll tell you what it did remind me of. Um, Jim Carrey's The Cable Guy. Mm. I remember yeah, the trailer yeah, for yeah. The Cable Guy. It, it sold it to be the next step in his The Mask, Ace Ventura style comedy. And when we got it, it wasn't that. So I remember hating The Cable Guy when I first saw this. Plus, I was probably a bit too young to fully appreciate a black comedy. Um, but having watched it in like the last five, ten years, The, Ca- the Cable Guy is a much better film than it. Um, than it was really sold to be way back when. And mm. I feel this was the kind of humour we got to start with, but that quickly dissipated in this movie, I feel. So after deciding that they're going to get their bag, they approach the crooked cop to help them get their hands on some illegally acquired cash by roughing up a meth lab for some money. They use this dirty cop uh, sorry, they use this dirty money to buy drills and black market guns needed to break into the safe. Our pair enter the house. And things go tits up and one of the occupants tries to escape and Stone ends up shooting one of them, killing the guy. They're off to a bad start. Things go from bad to worse. When drilling through the floor, the drill belt breaks. Without any spare belts, the pair decides to build an improvised explosive to finish the hole. Now finally faced with the safe, Waters drills inside and works the dials while Stone listens. Tension raises. Eventually, they make their way inside, revealing a mounting of high-end, mega-expensive diamonds and jewels and so much cash. That's the second act of this film. So we're at the 65-minute mark, and I've summed up the second act in five lines. (laughs) Stu, what did you think about the middle portion of the movie? It dragged a lot. I was... Mm. For... 
how you summed it up like that, and for the amount of time that it took, it went like I said, just about it going from the kind of bits of comedy thrown into being this kind of like almost like the wire, <laughs> um, like that kind of like noir bad cop vibe kind of thing where at the start of the film they were like idiots <laughs> and then they actually show that they actually know what, they've got some knowledge and they know what they're doing and then yeah obviously when they, they blow it up and everything it's all a bit different and silly but it just seemed you know it, I wasn't even watching this late at night either and I, I could feel myself like oh, I need to eat something now to stop myself falling off asleep <laughs> it, I don't know what it was it just really dragged and I don't know why yeah my note is basically this really drags. I had to watch this part like two or three times, just keep rewinding it because I kept going onto my phone and thinking, "Fuck, I've missed this film." Matt, are you in uh, agreement? Um, I, I don't think I am, to be honest. I I didn't think it dragged because I, I I didn't the the second Nick Cage shoots the guy who's selling the drugs is the the turning point in which this goes from being he's a hapless idiot to actually he's cold and calculated and actually it's the start of him actually going a little bit mad. Um, And then the film just flips and changes its genre, like within one scene. Mm. Um, And that, that, that was the point where I started to gain interest because actually I'm, I'm all up for a bit more of a somber, bit more of a, gritty heist film that is tense and you, it then becomes who's going to double cross who, where, who's going to have the moral panic, all this kind of stuff. So actually, it was at this point where I started to enjoy myself. Mm. I think I, I was enjoying the first part of it and it is such a left turn, isn't it, where mm. it does become this gritty film. I think I was in the other mindset of wanting it to be this, this dark black comedy with an odd couple pair of crooked cops and it, it doesn't it becomes something else at that point but uh, yeah i think that's that's absolutely fair back in the apartment water starts to feel sympathy for the remaining hostage i had totally forgotten about her <laughs> like it's been about 40 minutes at this point and she's been locked in the toilet we've barely seen her they've not even given us a reason to care about this person She's just a lady in danger. That's literally her only role in this movie. She's very two-dimensional to the extent where IMDb tells me, because they don't mention her name, her name in this film is Woman. I was they just gonna given say- her character a fucking name. I was just going to say, what is her actual name? <laughs> Can't be asked. Why bother? <laughs> like, she, she's irrelevant. That, that's basically what they're telling us. I thought that's really poor storytelling. The hostage asks Waters if she can call her husband so that she can ensure that the child is taken care of. Waters agrees and he dials a number, allowing her to talk to someone. Waters and Stone find a stash of guns hidden in the walls, like a fucking arsenal of weaponry there. Waters realising that taking this money now, that this gang will be after them. It is too big a job for these two people. They will be hunted down and they will be killed. Stone refuses to play ball, wanting to take everything. Waters fails to stop Stone from emptying the safe. Waters gets cold feet when he goes to dispose of the hostage. A shootout ensues between Waters and Stone, with Stone eventually being killed. Waters returns to the goods 
uh, sorry, Waters returns the goods to the safe and takes the hostage, promising her to release her when they're far enough away. Whilst driving down an empty stretch of the road, Waters' van gets surrounded. He notices that one of the vans is a contractor's van, and on the side of that van is the number which he dialed for the hostage to speak to her quote-unquote husband. Waters gets shot in the face. The film ends with the evidence from the heist and the car being stored into the evidence management building, the same place where Waters and Stone spent their dismal lives. The third act ends around an hour and 25. How, how do we feel about the, the final act of this film when it's all wrapped up? Matt, what were you thinking? Well, I think, you know, throughout the film, Nick Cage's character has has slowly gone down the rabbit hole of paranoia or madness or whatever you want to call it. So I think by the point it happens, you know a double crossing is going to happen or you know, as they so often do in heist films, um, that someone's going to turn on the other. So you could see it coming, to be fair. Um, but the reasons why I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to speculate on why. Um, I think it, you know, it. once it all starts to go downhill with these things, you know they go downhill fast, generally speaking, as the cliche. Mm. Um, the only bit that kind of took me by some kind of surprise is obviously the obviously woman was, um, you know, she was in on it to the point where, you know, when she was getting out of the cable ties and, and everything else, I think they were trying to, in, you know, insinuate that she was a bit more of a gang member or part of the operation more than she was. Um, it was fine. Like, it, like the, it, it ended how I expected it to end, to be honest. Nothing nothing too yeah. super surprising, really. Stu? Yeah, the um, the bit with the, the phone number on the back of the van, I actually, I did have a little... <gasps> moment <laughs> as, as is the way where I, I don't see these things coming at all um yeah it kind of redeemed itself a little bit i, I enjoyed the end because it, it when it turned into absolute chaos and it's like well what what is going to happen now because this has gone from being lethal weapon to something like <laughs> like man on the fire um in, in the space of an hour so yeah i, I enjoyed the end i think it, it it redeemed itself for me. And that, that's what I said. I don't know what I feel or think about this film because it's so complicated <laughs> for something, for something so, such because no one knows about it. No one's ever heard of it anyway. You can't talk to it apart from us. <laughs> and <laughs> I was sitting there and there's hardly anything online about it either. And it's like, well, do I like this film or not? And obviously we'll come to that, but yeah, the, I like the third, I like the, the finale of the film. I Probably more. If it had been more of this, I think it could have pushed the old uh, the old table a bit. But it's that middle just killed it off. Mm. It, it feels like it's three separate films pressed together. Mm-hmm. Like they've each got their own sort of genre, and there's no crossover between them other than the characters in it. Um, I, I, same as you, I enjoyed the end. I didn't see that twist coming with the with her actually calling her mob boss rather than her boyfriend or, or whatever it was. So I thought it was a nice little reveal and it, it, it did take it by surprise. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the budget was an estimated $9 million, which is somehow a really small budget, but also a massive budget for this film. Like it doesn't feel like there's $9 million worth of stuff on screen. Mm. Um, so I'm a bit surprised at that. It went straight to streaming, so it only got just over 300k back. But obviously, it would have been licensed out, so sort of irrelevant. 
It was released on the 13th of May 2016. That month also some, saw some good films and some less than good films released. Uh, the comic book movie, we had uh, Captain America Civil War came out. But at the other end of that scale, we had X-Men Apocalypse. <sighs> yeah, we had the indie favourite, The Lobster, uh, with Colin Farrell. Firth, sorry, I believe. If I'm, is it that? I think that's the one I'm thinking of anyway. Um and also, you've got a film which is very similar to this one, actually, in the Crow and Gosling odd couple buddy cop movie, The Nice Guys. And the also surprisingly well-received Angry Birds movie was released that month. Mm. So May 2016 wasn't actually a terrible month. Uh, before I give you the scores, though, what are the scores on the doors for IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, do you reckon, Matt? Hmm... Because it's going to have been barely seen by anybody, I'm going to say it's been rated pretty low. I'm going to give it around a 30, 35 on, on to, you know, your respective meters. Yeah. Okay. Stu, what do you think? I'll go higher than that, but for the same reason, that people who... I don't think you can watch this film and forget it. Um, for how weird a statement that is, um, it's one of them things where I have thought about it for the last few days, and there's no reason why I should be thinking about this at all. And so after watching it, it should be one of them. Uh, it's done now. Put it in the catalogue. Forget about it. But sixty-ish, uh, something like that. Sixty-four, sixty-four. Okay. Audience sixty-four. Probably critics will probably be lower than that. Obviously, but yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Around about 64 for audience. Interesting. So IMDb, it's got a 5.4, so very much down the middle. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 29%. (laughs) Uh, The critical score was 63%. Mm. I I was a little bit surprised. I mean, it's still very divisive, but yeah. Uh, Phil W. Bales from One Room With A View. Man cannot live on Nicolas Cage alone. However, take him out of the proceedings of the trust proves to be a by-the-numbers bank job with a disappointing conclusion. Kevin Mayer from The Times. The trust is a heist movie that gives Nick Cage his juiciest performance since Kick-Ass and indulges some very kooky, Cagean line readings. And Alan Adams from The Main Edge. There's an absence of genre or thematic cohesion leading to a film littered with tonal fits and starts that comes off as more or less random. Uh, The fan response for those maniacs at Amazon.com, even they didn't love this film. It's got a criminally low 3.3 out of 5. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, 51% gave it a 4 or a 5 star review. Uh, there's only one review. It's a little bit long, but strap him. <clears throat> it's titled Funny, Gripping and Reflective. <laughs> Subtly beautiful and funny. Lesson. In the depravity of the moral and corrupt society of Western culture, if you stray off the path of the righteous, don't have second thoughts. It's one-way trip, and there is always people who have more intent and fewer morals than you. The only trust that matters is between you and your accomplices. And if you waver, you fail. Superb acting and the jarring and confusing relationship between the two leads is indicative of the metaphysical 
the metaphysical, mechanistic materialism that we are immersed in. Confusing, meaningless and isolating. There can never be a true connection in the dog-eat-dog world and trust is futile. Our culture is doomed to fail like the fall of Rome. There is no coherence in the relationships in the individualistic society that extorts wealth above ethics and material achievement above strength of spirit. What a beautiful sentiment <laughs> in that. Uh, I don't even know what it means, but I yeah. liked it. Pure poetry. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so I want you to give me your good, bad and crazy on this one, Matthew. So from a good point of view, when it became a tense thriller, um, I thought it did it. It did it well. It it didn't bore me. I started to stop what I was doing to just solely watch the film, um, and I thought it did it in a way that was kind of reminiscent. Like it, it felt kind of quasi, you know, Breaking Bad in a way. It had that element to it of like hapless yet calculated, and you know. The transformations of the characters as they went along was really interesting for me. Like you, you, you see like their moral framework go both sides of the spectrum, and I think that was explored quite nicely. The, the bad though would it didn't know what it what it wanted to be, and the the jump in its tone completely th- like it, it's hard to praise the film as much as I'd like to and, and say that I really enjoyed it because tonally it was just all over the place. It was like it just it's jarring when that happens. Like it's not quirky. It's not kooky. It's not something that like, I think maybe the directors thought that it's something just to throw the audience. So it becomes a bit more, you know, fashionable or hip or whatever, Mm. but it just, it just felt out of place and felt jarring for that, for that reason really. But um, the crazy for me really would be the kind of lengths and means I had to take to get it. To just physically <laughs> watch the film because for what is essentially two, Elijah Wood is he a Hollywood A-lister? Probably not an A-lister now, but at one point he was. Nicholas Cage at this point in his career was on his Renaissance tour, so for for that film to have completely zero, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Like mm. you, you, you try telling somebody, and that's as crazy as anything. Like I, I want for some reason in the back of my mind to tell people to watch this so they can make up their mind on it. I don't know how, like this is a film with like Nick Cage and Elijah Wood and it should be like, you should just be able to get it on Netflix. So you should be able to, it's just bizarre that it's so under the radar. Mm, very weird. Stu, what have you got? <laughs> Pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> the crazy is that, that reason that no one has heard of this film and it's, re- it's not like it's, it's one of the hidden ones. It's not that old either. It's what, like six years old at this point? Mm. And I, I've said the same thing, the exact same thing to people that it's Nick, Nick Cage and Elijah Wood. And, oh, that sounds interesting. How can I get it? You can't. You can't get it. <laughs> unless, you, unless you go to the, the, the darkest embers of the internet and kind of whisk, risk your malware, then that's the only way you can get hold of it. But I, what was it even sold to? Where, where did it go? Do we even know um, that? Uh, Z Direct or something like <laughs> this. Some something that's probably long gone at this point. I've never heard of it. I'm just looking now. You can rent it on Apple. Yeah, you can rent it on Apple. Like nowhere streaming it for free, which in the modern day seems 
batshit, doesn't it? Mm. But even has anyone ever rented anything off Apple? No, the only time not. I, not not off Apple. I, I've had to rent a film off YouTube, I think, for the purpose of this podcast. I think <laughs> once, and that and that was enough. Yeah, I've done I've done it through I've done it from Prime before a few times, and I did it through the PlayStation Store a couple of times and all, but never from Apple. But yeah, so I mean that's the crazy thing is it, it doesn't exist. It's it's a it's a ghost of a film. Um, but the bad is exactly the same as Matt. It doesn't know where it is. And you can't say if someone likes mm. dark comedy, I'll watch this because it's only a third of it is dark comedy. If you want to, if you like Holly's films, how much of it counts in this? Mm-hmm. Again, and then that middle bit—it's I don't even know what that is. So you can't, you can't have it unless you're going to be incredibly clever and like pull fiction in with us so the, the start doesn't have to be at the start and that kind of thing, and make a point of doing it like that. Which, I can't think of any film that's really done that anyway, off the top of my head. Um, probably for a reason. Then, you can't jump around like this does. Um, mm-hmm. The good was, the good, when it did know what it was doing, I enjoyed it. It was fun, it was in its own little way. Um, but yeah, but that is all it is. The good. It's not... <laughs> It's not great. It's just mm. the good, and I thought performances were decent enough. Um, the sets and the, the the battles and everything were decent enough. It didn't it didn't look budget at all, and for nine million dollars, it's probably a reason for that. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm. Uh, my good, very similar to that. I, I really enjoyed Cage and Wood together. Like I I, I want to see more of their chemistry. Put them in another film together. I'm there day one. I think they they had something together as mm. an odd couple, um, buddy cops. Like I, I liked it. I thought that was great. The bad I feel is probably everything off screen. So like the direction, the cinematography, the editing. It all feels very juvenile. I think is the word for it. It almost feels like it's a college movie. Like it's people who don't quite know what they're doing in filmmaking, and it. That's why it felt very mm. disjointed. Um, so, like, for example, I feel like the, the pacing of the movie was all to cock. That's why the first act was sort of quite nice and going along at a certain pace. Then it slowed down massively and then it ramps up. Like, it, it's not paced very well. And I feel like a good editor would be able to bring together a, a you know, a serviceable movie. And I, I don't think, like, I think there's a good movie in there somewhere. It just needs someone who knows what they're doing with movie making to, to get that film out, I think. I think a, spe- a special mention is needed for some of the musical choices throughout the the movie as well. There were some really odd like pieces of music in there that completely were thrown. I don't know if they were going down like the Vegas vibe by having a, some like not Elvis C, but that that kind of like show showpiece music. Um, and then they have they have like classical music in the hotel when they've got the um, what essentially the hostages, and they're just like just weird choices of music that just didn't fit like the narrative mm. of what was going on. They were just like really out of place. Yeah, it's really like quite this odd juxtaposition of happy go lucky when you're looking mm. at a woman who's just been tied up in a toilet. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it's, hard, wasn't it? It's almost like they they had the music first and they wanted to, they wanted to use it at all costs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 
The Crazy for Me, and this is straight from the pages of IMDb. Apparently, during filming of this movie, the crew discovered a dead body in the yard <laughs> where they were shooting. I'd love to know which scene is like where they were shooting at, where they found this body. Like, could you imagine making a film like this and just coming across a random corpse? It's ridiculous. <laughs> there was there was there was one scene that I was desperately trying to find, and I mean, if I do a bit more research, I might be able to. But I I don't know if you've both seen Peep Show or to the level that I have, where you definitely won't have because I watch it kind of biannually, like <laughs> like every year. But there's the famous scene with the no turkey, which you might have seen as a meme, where basically. Jez is asked, he's asked where the turkey is. He says he hasn't got the turkey. Mark kicks off massively and calls him a fuckhead. And then <laughs> um, and then he goes, of course I've got a turkey. It was a joke. That's They they did that joke with the minivan. And I swear yeah. to God, it was like, they've, they've not, they've seen Peep Show. I'm telling you, it was exactly like it. It was like the, the like the, the whole structure of the joke was exactly the same. And I'm determined See, to I, find some kind of tenuous link between the two. <laughs> I've seen a handful of bits of Peep Show, and I knew that that was from something else. So, mm. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was the first thing that came to my mind, actually, was that that, that very famous scene. Like, it's the most memed of Peep Show, I think. Oh, almost, easily. Isn't it? Like, any time like, the country of Turkey is in the news... It's always no turkey, and then a, that picture of Mark Corrigan yeah. with his eyes, or or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, did you enjoy the film? I'll come to you last, Stu, because you seem to be the most on the fence about this. Mm. Matt, what do you think? Um, I, I, I did in a way. Yeah, I did. Um, it, it was, it was, it was serviceable at, at best. It wasn't something that like. I would rush out to, to watch again anytime soon because I think once you've been through it and you know what's coming next, it will take all of the positives kind of away, just left with the bad filmmaking shell that remains. But the journey of enjoy the journey through it, I I, I enjoyed. To be fair, um, I know that it's not a great film. I know <laughs> it's not a great film, but that doesn't take it, uh, my enjoyment of it away. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in in agreement with you. If I look at it on like the football manager scale of rating a player, it's a six. Like it's good enough that it's a passable way to, to spend eighty five minutes. I do think there's enough um, meat there that this could easily have been a seven or an eight, and I feel like there are elements to it that let it down. But I can't say I hated it. Like. I don't regret having watched it. So that's a win for, you know, some of the films that we have watched, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Stu, so you were very much, up until like before we started recording, you were unsure. Have yeah. you picked a yes or a no? I think because I'm so unsure, I can't say yes, can I? Because mm. if, I, if I had, then I would know. But... This is going to be one of the the very very rare ones where, if and when if I do go back and watch this at some point in the future, knowing what to expect, I think I'd probably like it more. Mm. So, for, for for future reference point, I'll say yeah, I think I did enjoy it, <laughs> but it's such a weird experience, and if you can't even talk about it, it's so so odd. Feeling like you, you feel like you, you want to like something, 
knowing that you do like it, but then you don't at the same time. Um, but yeah, for for argument's sake, yeah, I did enjoy it. When, like, so full disclosure on my notes, I haven't got an answer to this question because I didn't know, and I thought having this conversation might actually help me come to a decision. And I do feel like it has. It's been we've we've had a few of these films where I've come in being very anti the movie. We've discussed it, and actually, I, I did enjoy it, and I've enjoyed the experience of talking about it. And I feel that if you do go and watch it again, having had this conversation, you may get a bit more out of it. That is the Captain Corelli's mandolin phenomena, <laughs> or the City of Angels phenomena. It's the City of Angels for me, because, I mean, that film's awful, but <laughs> it, it's got that so bad it's good, and I did enjoy ripping it to pieces on here. So, yeah, that you've perfectly put there. Oh, I did like because this film did remind me of Captain Corelli's Mandolin, but except it was Nick Cage doing a German accent at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And his accents are just fucking abysmal, so that <laughs> always makes me laugh. <laughs> so, Cage, good, Cage, bad. What are you saying, Stu? I, I'm actually going to say bad, you know, because I don't think he is. Like that one review said, if you take him out of this film, it's just a normal heist movie. But I don't think that makes any difference if it's if he's in it or not, because <laughs> he's other than there's a few moments of cageness in it, and obviously his ridiculous moustache. But he's not integral to this film, like he normally would be in these things. So in this, it's going to be a shade on the no for me. I'm surprised at that, especially because I think the other two answers are going to be different, and it's that's rare. Yeah, Matt. Well, just. Stu makes a very compelling argument there. It's 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 not compelling enough to change my mind, but he's compelling. <laughs> he's definitely compelling. No, I, I I enjoyed his performance in this, and thus I think he he you know it does though. It kept it veering on that comedic side, like in, until he went full crazy with it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like if he'd have if he'd if he'd have shot the girl, for example. Um, which I think you know we, we were leaning, we were leaning that he was going down that that path about mm. it. he was going to do that. Then then you know we would have veered solely into crazy case. But I think he was good. He kept it. He he kept it the side of um, how do I want to put it? He was um, like on the fringes of his sanity at all times. You never know mm. which way he's going to go. He kept you guessing, and for that reason, so you know I enjoyed that element of it. I think that was something that kept you interested as what's going to happen next so without that i think it would have plotted even more than you know you, you know you already thought it did mm, yeah I, I i really enjoyed his performance like I, I feel like he is the only character that had a proper story arc mm. he started out as this bit of a loser down on his look makes very silly jokes that people don't seem to like him for yeah but then underneath that, you've realised that actually he's this, as you said earlier, he's this cold and calculating, actually a bit of a almost evil mastermind mm. arsehole. And I, I like the fact that we got to see that. And on my second view, when I was making my notes, you see it a lot more clearly. You actually see the elements of the later Cage in the early performance. And I, oh, I, okay. Yeah, I, I think Cage did a really good job. And as I said before, I loved his interactions with Elijah Wood. And I, I want to see a film of those two again. Mm. But with a better director. Who Who is... Who is more of this? 
Is Nick Cage really tall or is Elijah Wood really short? Bit of both, I think. Yeah, I think is Cage like six two, I think. And I think Elijah Wood's like five six, so if I remember correctly. So uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, so finish the sentence. If you enjoyed the trust, you may also like Matthew. Uh, just go watch Bad Lieutenant, basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> because if you want the elements of Crazy Cage, you want the corrupt cop, and you want that experience, and you want something that's dark and gritty. See a better version of that in in mm. Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, that that's exactly what I've put as well. Bad Lieutenant's one of my favourite Nick Cage films. You should watch that anyway, but if you like this, you'll definitely like Bad Lieutenant. Stu? I'd, I'd mentioned it earlier, Training Day. It's just for just for the vibes, the gritty mm. vibes. Not for the comedy, obviously, but for the for the gritty vibes, you can watch Training Day. And again, watch it anyway, because it's great. Mm. Yeah, very good film. Yeah, excellent choice. Why, why did I like immediately go to... The fifty first state. Then I was like, "Hold on, is Ricky Tomlinson in that?" But no, that's a very, di- that's a very different film. Yeah, very <laughs> brilliant. So that's another Nick Cage book, uh, another Nick Cage movie in the record books. Next week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, cage fighting is taking its place among the pantheon of cage based podcasts to discuss the unbearable weight of massive talent. I believe it's going to be dropping on Tuesday next week rather than our usual Monday. But keep an eye on our socials and the podcast stream for the episode. So, uh, so that's at Cage Fighting Pods is the socials and cagefightingpod at gmail.com for any emails. And finally, thank you for just joining us. We tell you every week how much we appreciate your time. And this week is no different. So for this week, Matthew, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. Uh, for the especially follically challenged like your dear uh, hosts, it's now the time to be carrying emergency suntan lotion around with you at all times. So please do it. Save your head and don't get burnt. Goodbye. <laughs> or, or, or you could just wear a cap okay, and go full on. I mean, if, you, if you had a, you know, them red, red trucker caps... Mm. Where's this going? Where's this going, Stuart? No, 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 no. I was thinking if if we had a red trucker cap and a ripped vest and a big beard like that, <laughs> would he be allowed out of his own door? I don't think he would be. I'm trying to find like I haven't got the Fred Durst red cap. I've got I the know. one with like the mesh oh, at the back. I've got yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> for the purpose of those listening I've got to make pinball great again Krakow pin Krakow pinball museum cap with red mesh on the back I had um, I had one from uh, Final Fight there's a promotional thing from Playstation magazine years ago and it, it was like that red mesh on the back white white bit on the front with um, with the, red, the writing in red so Final Fight is the red bill See, mine's the other way around. It's got like a burgundy front with rock NYC on the front and white at the back. But yeah, that's basically what I've got. <laughs> My problem is because I've got such a massive Ant McPartland sized head. You can see that the I'm up to the very last few bits of the <laughs> the strap here, and it just you know it just makes makes my head look even bigger. That you can see that I'm nearly at the end of the potential fastenings on this cap. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I've got a cap with them little bobbles on. It's all minor straps. 
Is that a, is that, I was going to say, is that a strap-on? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have children's bobble cap anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah goodbye, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's goodbye from me and remember. Be excellent to each other. Oh.